You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Let's make Yeah. Downers, welcome to the show. My guest today is Maxwell Mooney. He's a coffee educator and somebody I've known just for a little short period of time, but have intensely uh, enjoyed talking to him about coffee, something I know a marginal amount about at best. So we're going to get into that. Uh, I want to remind you guys, my sponsor tonight is Loot Crate. And so if you go to lootcrate.com forward slash down, you can search around over there and see if you see something you like. And if you enter my promo code down, you'll get $3 off any new subscription today. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in the future. Thank you to everybody who bookmarks my Amazon link on my website. Uh, go to breakitdownpod.com, uh, bookmark my Amazon, uh, Make sure you subscribe, tell people about this podcast, and even subscribe. I got YouTube. I put these videos up on YouTube. Particularly excited today because we've been working on our studio a little bit. I got some art up. I have somebody, I'm not on Skype. Maxwell's sitting right here with me in case you can't see it if you're just listening audio only. And I just put this table together. I just stained it and cut it with my new jigsaw I got for Christmas. And so having people in the studio is such a treat in a time where every 90% of podcasts seem to be just done over Skype in somebody's bedroom, and uh, I feel lucky to be sitting here with you tonight, Maxwell, so thank you for coming. Man, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I feel pretty lucky myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you've done some other podcasts just to talk about coffee and stuff already. Yeah, yeah, I've done a few. So, yeah. I mean, there's whole podcasts that are just about coffee. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, quite a few quite a few big ones, and I actually another one just came out today, so coffee as a subject is picking up quite a bit for a yes, podcast. Yes, that's what's really so. interesting is just, I mean, the whole thing of coffee being a subject is just... It's really interesting. It's almost weird. Like, yeah, um, I get that. Like, uh, I guess, I mean, there's a job called coffee educator. Yeah. That's your job. Yeah, yeah as a title. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's that's just it's weird. I'm trying to think of parallel things to to that. Like, what are the closest things to coffee? Like, uh, like a what, craft beer, wine, craft beers, a similar uh, sommelier would be. I mean, their job yep. technically is to pair that's, food with mm-hmm. with wine, but you know you have to know a ridiculous amount of stuff about wine to be a sommelier. Tobacco doesn't quite have the same. There's tobacco connoisseurs and stuff. No, though, totally. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's there's cigar enthusiasts cigar, who, yeah, who know that, you yeah. know way more stuff than I I can think of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so, but it really has grown a ton in. Is it is the explosion in coffee knowledge directly related to the internet? How about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's that's a pretty fair thing to say. Mm-hmm. A lot of that's um, due to just the, like the internet gives you a platform to share information and knowledge, right. and so the coffee industry broadly has been able to share and like collectively gather data on coffee and really mm-hmm. like dig into coffee in ways that it hasn't been able to, or at least hasn't been able to. Um, to kind of spread out to the layman type of, you know, everyday mm-hmm. coffee people. So, um, you know, now it's like you, 
there are full apps that you can like brew like scales that are connected to apps that you can brew your coffee on and it'll wow. fully track and give you a, a graph with all the data of it and then you can share that with other people and then you can like measure the exact mm-hmm. extraction that you're getting and all this stuff so you can share all this and all this kind of collective information gathering has led to a lot of advances in the coffee industry. Yeah, so even data-driven as far as the research and everything. Yes, the, um, yeah. the, the first time I ever noticed coffee, I mean, okay, so how about this? I grew up in South Carolina in the 80s, and sure. coffee was it was just brown stuff that you drink. I mean, it's better <laughs> than they were doing in the Civil War. I mean, sure. you, they were percolating it. My grandma had to percolate her and just, or strain, you know, or instant coffee was around yeah, a lot absolutely. when I was growing up, just re- regular Nestle yeah, instant. It wasn't a thing. And when I moved to see, I know it was it had started before this, but when I moved to Seattle in 2001, I was like, oh, people care about coffee? Like it's a, <laughs> even a thing to care about. It was just something, yeah. you have it and there's powdered cream. That's I've never seen anything beyond that. I never even thought about it. Absolutely. And I didn't drink it at all. Like yeah. I didn't even care. I thought, I don't, ugh, coffee, yuck. <laughs> uh, and it took me a while, being around enough Starbucks here in Seattle <laughs> and then uh, knowing some people that worked at Starbucks and our drummer, Seth and Emery got a job at Starbucks. Bucks. And then eventually he started saying, well, try this Frappuccino and stuff like that. And eventually, <laughs> as a guy in my mid-20s, was like, Absolutely. well, I guess that's all right. Eventually, I got a, a, like an iced peppermint mocha. And then I was like, okay, well, I, can, I think all that's right. okay. And I've slowly started stripping away the sweet stuff and the I, you know, whipped cream or whatever. Totally, and eventually, yeah. I was like, oh, I like it. Yeah. And then at some point, probably age 28, I was drinking coffee at home and I bought a coffee maker. I was like, wow. And I'm like, oh, I'm into it or whatever. <laughs> and then I started meeting people and noticing at, around that time, which just would have been 2007 or eight, yeah. I started noticing people talking about coffee in a nerdy way. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like, oh, they're like, okay, they got a French press and they're talk, telling somebody else about their method. I was like, how dorky is that? <laughs> Good gosh. It's well, just, first off, know. it is dorky. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Like that's actually right around the time when that started really picking up. That kind of, re- their coffee industry generally uses like, um, now we kind of use terms waves. Uh-huh. Um, and so like the third wave really started to pick up kind of around that time. That's when like, I think if you're going to put a definition on it, which a lot of people are really weary to do because nobody likes labels, right? Uh-huh. But if you're going to put one on it, that's kind of like the celebration of, of coffee farms and, and coffee itself uh, as being something that's uh, high quality like, mm-hmm. and enjoyable, like wine, you know, or something like that. So that's kind of started really getting a lot of steam right around like 2006, 2007. Um, yeah. But even the people I'm talking about, they were just talking about French press, it was still paled in comparison to the amount of detail that when I talked to you, it was like, whoa. Like, the people that I know, for instance, Aaron Sprinkles, he's really into whatever he gets into, and he was always into coffee. So when I was working with him, um, he would always talk about coffee. We'd take coffee breaks, he'd talk about it, and he had a scale. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me (laughs) about that. And so so he would tell me about coffee, and I thought it was pretty interesting, but still, whatever. But when I met you and talked to you, when we did that cupping, when we were developing the coffee for BC Supply, I... I just it's, this is not like your Maxwell's not like your coffee nerdy coffee friend that that weighs his beans. This is this is a whole another level that it was is absolutely mind blowing to me that, that what the some of the stuff we talked about that day and and that I've noticed and been able to understand and think about even just since then to now since we started doing some some high quality coffee stuff. But your level of it doesn't even isn't it's not even nerd it's i don't know it's, it's not uh it's like 
scientist or mathematician or, or is professional or on some weird yeah, level. Be, that's what I'm, I, yeah. I, I would consider myself a coffee professional. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a coffee scientist or anything. I don't have any background in that, but, um, and you know, there are people in the industry who have forgotten more than I know about coffee, <laughs> you know? So. I just didn't know there was that much there, but you, yeah, there's I mean, a ton. specifically you, uh, and see if I'm getting this right, but you, you, Scored thirteenth in a national barista contest. Yeah, yeah, similar. Uh, I, I didn't even my know score came those. out about to be about the thirteenth highest, but yeah. So um, every, every Na- and year. national barista contest. What do you? Yeah, do? it's called the United States Barista Competition. Uh-huh. And uh, basically, what you do is um, you you go up and you travel to wherever the thing is. So I'm getting ready to do this in uh, like two weeks. I'm going to Knoxville, Tennessee is where it's being held, like uh-huh. the preliminary one. Uh, but basically you have four different judges and you have to serve them each an espresso, a cappuccino. Well, it's now it's a milk drink. It used to be a cappuccino and then um, a signature beverage of some sort, which is kind of like your own personal creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, you, you serve these four judges and they meticulously break down every little detail of, of the coffee. They give you scores based on flavor descriptors that you use to describe how it tastes. They do um, tactile descriptions and they do uh, accuracy of, of, of the flavor descriptors and balance. So like they'll well, score you on all of those things. Mm-hmm. And then there's two technical judges who stand and watch everything that you're doing behind the coffee bar <laughs> and will like judge you for the tiniest little bit of coffee that gets on the on the mm-hmm. counter. So it, it's really intense and it takes up a ridiculous amount of my time whenever I decide to do it. So, cause um, you have to train for it. Like it's so, yeah, every, like people train for months and months. Um, I, I was, uh, working at a place down in Seattle, uh, practicing for this thing. And the current Iranian barista champion is there practicing for the worlds, which is in like five months. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, but that's just insane. Yeah, I know it. It's it's crazy. We we put a ton of time and effort into it. It's I, I kind of think of it as like an Iron Chef for mm-hmm. for baristas, but where you have to give a presentation. So it's, it's like, like it's like minutes. a golfer thing. You know, you had to hit you had to hit a thousand range. I mean, you had to pull a hundred shots a day just to be keep your chops yeah, up. More or something. than that, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And you, well, how do you? I mean, that's the same thing I think about people that train for eating contests. It sounds like expensive. We can't. Yeah. And what do you do with all those shots? You, you throw them all out, or yeah. you serve them sometimes, to people. Or yeah, what? sometimes, sometimes you end up throwing them out. Um, yeah, it depends on what you're doing, right? Because I mean, the idea of these barista competitions is that that you're working on a bar behind a bar every uh-huh. single day, and you're making drinks for people. So the idea is that we can use, we can help elevate the craft of being a barista and help people serve their guests better by having these competitions and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that you're reinforcing all the training that you're doing for competition. You're reinforcing it on the bar every single day. Mm-hmm. So you should be practicing while you're on the bar. Um, you know, and it's like any given shift, you can, you know, pull anywhere from a hundred to 400 shots of espresso or something. So I see. So yeah. barista. Yeah. Is that, uh, do, do we not, is that not the feminine term? Is that not like flight no, man, stewardess? I mean, it's no, not barista. No, no, no. What's the masculine form of barista? And that's there not a girl no, term? No, it's Italian, man. So okay. Itali- Italian, like, uh, you know, it's like, like Spanish or a lot of languages where certain words have a gendering to them, but it has There's no, no gender to barista. No, no, not at all. It just means bartender in Italian. Yeah. So uh, anybody who's, a, who's attending a bar, this is just a daytime bar. But yeah, they didn't change it to a coffee attendant, bro, or something. I've heard all <laughs> those. I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm a barista. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, absolutely. So the so thirteenth highest score in this thing that's that's insane to me what do you is there what are the what's the prize and what's the motivation for you to do the training to do that like it helps your career or, yeah or, totally so the, the prizes um if you win then you, you get a trip to to a coffee producing 
country uh-huh. and you'll travel and visit different coffee farms and those sorts of things. And then they'll, tr- they'll pay for you to go on to the next level of the competition. So if you win the United States barista competition, oh, okay. then the SC, SEA, actually this just got announced today, but, um, anyway, they'll send, they'll pay for you to go to the world competition, which mm-hmm. this year is in Seoul. Uh, South Korea. So they'll pay for you to move on. But the idea is that then you are an ambassador for specialty coffee. Mm-hmm. So you're like the person who's out like helping people understand and all that stuff. I guess you'd, similar to what I'm doing right now, it's just mm-hmm. kind of helping, you know, make sure, help explain what coffee is to people. So, so specialty coffee and third wave are, are both terms that, that you've used already. Yeah. Um, specialty coffee <laughs> makes kind of sense. It just means. Sure. Fancy coffee, I guess, yeah. to most people. Third wave, a little, uh, I've, as I've used that term, a lot of people don't know it. Sure, yeah. Um, so let's get through there. What are the coffee waves? Totally. So uh, I guess we'll start with specialty coffee as a definition. Okay. Just because there's a little bit more, at least in terms of a technical jargon definition. Mm-hmm. So specialty coffee is defined as any coffee that exceeds 80 points on a cupping table. And a cupping is a process that we go through to evaluate the quality of a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's particularly used to find defects and help um, people at origin level sort through coffees and make sure that you know the coffees are of high quality before they get sold off. Uh, but generally, it means anything that's cupping over that, which most of like your your Starbucks and kind of your you know even your Dunkin' Donuts sometimes can will be buying coffees that exceed eighty points on a cupping table. Okay, so let's just even slow down there a little bit. So yeah. cupping is essentially like a tasting. It's yes. formally called a cupping and yep. coffee. And how is it? Um, this is what I couldn't understand before and still don't. <laughs> no but worries. how is it uh, objective? How is this thing objective and not just, oh, I like it or, or you know, the kinds of biases that get into your head and stuff? Like, how, how is that done in an objective way that it could get a score that Totally. Counts? So, um, well, to, I'll answer the question kind of in two parts. Um, so, cupping is, is usually... Uh, uh, you go through, there's a full classes and schools that you can take to make sure that your tongue is kind of working properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then during that, you go through a series of calibration. So you, you cup and taste with other people and then they help get you calibrated to kind of the groups. You literally stores. calibrate your tongue. Yes, okay. to other people. So, okay. um, and some people will cup heavy, some people will cup light. You know, you'll like, I tend to be a little more heavy handed and give out lower scores than maybe some other people would. Um, so, but you, you keep those things in mind and then you make adjustments for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever you're, you know, you're cupping through a, a huge table, the big thing is just to pick out the defects. So like there, there are a bunch of different defects in Coffee growing and coffee roasting and all those different things. Like what? You can taste them. So, what's like a, a defect that you can taste in a brand? Like it's a blind cupping. Like you mm-hmm. could you can take yeah. something with no information about, like a blind trial in medicine yep. or something. Like somebody in Omaha and somebody in Seattle yeah. can do it. And if you both pull out the same defect and yes. call it, then then that can confirm it, or then you can yeah. check for that or exactly, verify yeah. or whatever. A, a really quick and universal defect is potato defect, which happens a lot in Burundian and Rwandan coffees. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a bug that will kind of bore into the coffee and then fungus will grow inside of it and make the coffee taste and smell like potatoes. Uh, it's very clear. Nobody will miss it in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that's a clear one. And then there's other smaller ones like- um, Can it have just a little bit of that or a lot well, of that? Well, potatoes, uh, potatoes uh, it'll have it or it won't. Mm-hmm. But um, you can. Uh, there's other ones like uh, coffees that are picked 
before they're fully ripe, you can't see the seed variation in color. So the only time that you can see it is once you roast the coffee. And then, so like that coffee that's under ripe when it's picked will mm-hmm. come out lighter in color than the rest of the coffees. And we call those Quakers. And so like, if you get a bunch of Quakers, your, your brew will taste like really peanutty and kind of just this general under ripe mm-hmm. flavor. It won't have like full sweetness and won't have full acidity and those sorts of things. So um, those are kind of those defects that you can have more or less of and those sorts of things. But um, yeah, but people will be able to call those out. And then, so it's not just saying I like it. I give it a high score because I'm, me or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So there's there are, there are preference like there are blogs and stuff that are based on preference, and people say, well, yeah, I really enjoyed this coffee or something. Um, but cupping is supposed to be an objective thing that's supposed mm-hmm. to help the industry kind of calibrate together. Okay. And so that leaves you with eighty plus being good. What you just say at least specialty. is good specialty coffee. Specialty good coffee. coffee. Yep. What? So you're saying Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts are right around? Yeah, that they, buy, they buy coffees generally from like eighty points to like eighty four okay. for their general. Stuff. And what is Folgers? Um, Folgers, generally speaking, would probably be in the seventies range. Um, are there coffees that are fifty and below? You know, I, I honestly haven't tasted any myself because mm-hmm. uh, I kind of. Privileged, I guess, yeah. but um, there certainly are. I mean, you, there's a two different species of coffees. There's Arabica and Robusta. Robusta is generally uh, what gets used in like instant coffees and stuff like that, um, and those are not going to score very well. So you're basic, and then what is the upper range of the finest coffees that people deal with and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, that's we're getting into a little bit of preference there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, generally speaking, the highest scoring coffees you're going to get are like 94s, and those are like really at the top where people are paying $80 a pound or more, you know? Mm-hmm. So, But specialty, when you find expensive coffee somewhere that's $20 a the pound, yeah. um, that's going to be scoring. That's going to be in the upper 80s usually. Upper 80s. Yeah, 88, 89, sometimes in the Starbucks. 90s. Yeah, absolutely. So a good regular cup of coffee somewhere might be an 80. Yeah, a good regular cup of coffee, like at your average coffee shops, could probably be about an 84. Not necessarily. Like, like independent, yeah. like nice quality coffee shop. And mm-hmm. then once you get to the, kind of the nicer specialty shops, you'll be in the 87 range usually. Okay. So, but um, yeah, we don't usually think of like cups of coffee as having those kinds of scores. Um, but you know, if you're going to just pick the coffee itself, then that's probably what it would get on a cupping table. Okay. So, all right. So where were we? that's cupping? That was specialty coffee. We're going to go to the waves. Specialty coffee, and now we're yeah. I don't want to get sidetracked. Totally. I want to get to waves. Here. So and then uh, I wanted to also mention one other thing too. The the whole industry actually just put out this really um, specialized document for tasting coffee. Because mm-hmm. um, you know you and I maybe we've tasted different things, right? So I've tasted uh, a blackberry that was grown wild in the Pacific Northwest, and you know somebody else has only ever had a frozen blackberry or something. So I say blackberry, and I mean something that's bright, sometimes tart, sometimes sweet. Um, you know, that mixed thing. And this other person only knows like a corn syrupy kind of blackberry mm-hmm. flavor. And so I say blackberry and I mean one thing and that person hears blackberry mm-hmm. means here's another right. thing, right? Yeah. So a solution to that is that uh, a couple of universities, Texas A&M and another one, put together this lexicon of flavors um, so that whenever you say like you're you're talking about blueberry in in coffee, there's actually a product that you can go on a store in Walmart, buy it, and taste that, and that's what it means when you say blueberry. A so universal reference. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's, um, it should something that you could buy that's available everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. there's like 114 different items on this thing, uh, and we actually with a friend, a couple of friends, we put together this big event in Seattle where we invited everybody from the coffee industry to come and try all those mm-hmm. together. Um, so like those are ways that we can all calibrate and 
use the words the same way and all those <laughs> sorts of things and kind of hit a little bit more objectively. So that so. is kind of scientific at least. Yeah, that was built yeah. for, for a scientific purpose yeah. so that sensory analysts could taste coffees and you could send them to one of either of these schools and they come out with the exact same flavor descriptors of the same intensity. Excellent. Sorts of things. It was super cool. Um, really important and that'll be a major thing that drives quality in coffee. Now the waves thing, um, yeah, I guess... You'd say, generally speaking, we think of the first wave as like the industrialization of coffee. So coffee used to be roasted at home pretty much entirely. Everybody ground their own coffee at home. So they just go to the, the market, you know, your local store. Buy back some beans. Buy some green coffee, mm-hmm. roast it, brew it up. Then you have like the industrialization of it, which is like your Folgers, your U-Ban, kind of your like pre-ground, ready to go. It's ready to be made sort of thing. And then Industrials, so, wave one. Wave one, yeah. Okay. And then second wave is like when people started to enjoy coffee, um, <laughs> right? And so yeah. you'd like go out to the, the coffee shop and get like a mocha. It would come with like whipped cream and all those sorts of things. And is that literally in the late 90s? Then? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you could bump back or a little bit early in the late 70s, like right around when Starbucks kind of started getting, okay. getting prime, but definitely by the mid 80s. It wasn't, it, so it was existing in second wave before it was mainstream. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I understand. Yeah, and then, um, and so then kind of you hit your third wave where there's shops that are kind of, um, kind of trying to get back to coffee, just appreciating the coffee itself. You get shops that are serving like absolutely no sugar or milk in their in their coffee shops uh-huh. and those sorts of things. I went to one of those in Kansas City. I cool. was so angry. I didn't know what the, <laughs> oh, I never man. seen of this or heard yeah. any of this. Do you know I what it was called? This. It was like the, it was like a sciencey lab place and okay. they had beakers of coffee and oh, there yeah. wasn't cream or sugar in the place. Totally. And I went in there. I was so angry. It was super hip. Yeah. Uh, here, here's, here's how I would describe it. It was like, I'm from Seattle. And it's a coffee place and Seattle's full of hip and hipster people. Yeah, absolutely. I went to this place <laughs> that somebody told me about in Kansas City yeah. and it was triple the hipster that Seattle is and I almost felt like it was a caricature like they don't even know what hipsters are like and they overdid it I didn't really know it was a thing that was going on or yeah. a wave or a thing I just was like because yeah. I've never even seen that in Seattle Absolutely. and they were really snooty acting oh, and I didn't understand what it was and I asked for cream and sugar and they like thought I was an idiot man. I didn't even want sugar I just wanted cream but they didn't have right? it and yeah. they served in this way I did drink the coffee and it was the first time I ever drank black coffee and thought it was great though. <laughs> oh, that's I good. Okay, that. cool. So, good for them. So At least their force, game was strong. Right? Right? Yeah, so I did. I sat there and drank. I was like, well, shit, I paid $4 for this. I'm going to have to drink it or something. Yeah. I was having coffee with somebody. And like, oh, this is actually good. It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like, uh, you know, when people tra- talk trash, you know, it's like, don't talk trash unless you can back it up. Yeah. At least they backed it up. Right. right? Yeah, and then um, there's one in Nashville called Barista, Barista Parlor, Parlor that yeah. annoys me. Uh, <laughs> When I've been there a few times, uh, you know, people have mixed feelings. I got a ton, on it. Of, ton of friends over there, but I, yeah. and it was it's man, it's it's good. Yeah, but it's annoying too. It yeah, takes totally. takes four minutes to get anything, and it's very expensive. And if you feel, it just feels like you're in over. I feel like I'm in over my head when I go in an environment like that. Yeah, but totally. Is that that's the third wave environment? I mean, it yeah, doesn't have to that's be a more ex- with kind of an extreme mm-hmm. iteration of third wave. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's definitely. A major aspect of what third wave has kind of become known as, and as a response, there's actually a, a coffee publication that started using a term "new wave" to describe coffee shops that kind of come from a third wave tradition, but are way more understanding on people yeah. wanting to add things to their coffee. Right? I mean, because doing like coffee don't mocktails you want and stuff to get like into, that. Like, totally. I understand being exclusive, but it's just like with anything. It's just you know. Even just with like political stuff, it's like you can be right about something, but you're not going to convince anybody. Totally. If you care about it. Yeah. And that's what I think is really interesting about you is 
Man, you're committed to getting people into coffee, not buying your stuff or, <laughs> yeah. or whatever. I mean, you, you want to be a coffee ambassador. You want to yeah. teach people, you want people like me to get interested. Yeah. And that's I think what, it's awesome. That's, so. that's, that's very, very cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that, I guess if you, if you had to put like the terms on of the waves and stuff, that's kind of where, where those. So land. it doesn't have anything to do with the necessarily qua- the score of the coffee or well, its lightness or darkness. I, I, w- I would say that generally, if you, if you had to put some generalizations on third and new wave co- mm-hmm. co- shops, you're looking at higher score lighter roasted coffees almost always lighter roasted generally speaking so that confused me too because as i've been here in seattle and in big cities it seems like the people that are into coffee traditionally for the last decade or so are liking really dark coffees and they're they brag about it or i just drink it dark (laughs) or super dark or and stuff and i never really like that yeah i want it to be creamy or relatively life i see breakfast blend i love mcdonald's coffee for instance um i really do love mcdonald's coffee actually pretty pretty solid coffee Really? Yeah, as far as the chains go, the only shop that has, the only like fast food restaurant I can think of that has better coffee is Chick-fil-A. Really? So, yeah. Well, Chick-fil-A doesn't have, yeah. I don't like Chick-fil-A's, and this is really dumb detail, but I don't <laughs> get coffee at Chick-fil-A because it's not easy to get the cream in it. And at yeah. McDonald's, I can say. And, Give me two creams. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's already comes anyway. Yeah. But, um, I appreciate that. But I do like the, uh, the McDonald's coffee. But so it's been a thing that I thought that people that are into coffee like darker coffees. Uh-huh. But your coffee and this other stuff, which I don't want to confuse with Third Wave itself. Sure. But it's these light and very light coffees. Yeah, in fact. absolutely. It's so light, in fact, that some of them taste frilly and fruity and almost obnoxious to me in a way that I don't even like I just want more of a plainer darker not darker but like like a classic coffee yeah that's the weirdest thing but I got into this is like when we first were developing let me do a let me explain to people specifically what's going on here. I'm not trying to make this whole podcast be a marketing thing, but it got <laughs> into this because we started a company called BC Supply. We sell yeah. t-shirts, leather goods. Uh, I don't know what you call it, a heritage brand or a lifestyle brand. I don't know. We're just selling stuff that we like, yeah, nice absolutely. belts, nice wallets, yeah. and coffee that we drink. Sure. And so we wanted to find a really good coffee, reached out to you, um, and tried to figure out if we could do a blend or roast that would be our own thing that Mm -hmm. I would and our team would love and that we would drink and then also sell and share with people. Uh, Coffee somehow goes with podcasting in in some way. (laughs) It's it's more of a daytime thing than a nighttime thing. Um, But uh, so that's how we did this. And we do have a coffee right now, and we call it our Seattle blend. And and you and I developed, I I told you what I liked and didn't like, but you developed the blend for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so during doing those cuppings for that, uh, it was like we were tasting all this stuff and it was just so many fruity flavors in there. I was like, well, couldn't it just be more like coffee? <laughs> is what I kept thinking. <laughs> totally. And uh, a short story about that is I was, I was almost nervous that what we even arrived at was a little bit different than what I was used to. I was like, well, people like this. And once we finally found something that I really liked and then it went into production, I didn't have it for a while. And then I got started getting it at home yeah. and have ha- gone through a few bags of it at my house cool. now. And I was like, yeah. And like after I did it, especially after a couple, you know, eat, drinking it for a while, I really got into it. Then I ran out and went and got what I used to drink. Sure. And then when I drank it, I was like, oh, <laughs> the oh, coffee man. I used to drink, which is expensive. It's the <laughs> yeah, expensive yeah. Seattle coffee company that, sure. I, that I like. Yeah. Uh, it was just like, oh, this doesn't, ha- where's all those flavors? Flavor. Where's all yeah, the stuff totally. I'm, I've gotten used to? And it was just boring and dull and yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. So now I kind of understand what's behind that light stuff, cool. which at first was really kind of threw me off to be Absolutely. honest. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, generally speaking as people, we come to things with expectations mm-hmm. and if, you know, if you're expecting one thing and you, 
you get something that's a little bit different. You know, maybe you don't like it initially, but then yeah. after you try it a couple more times, sometimes maybe you find things you like about it. It's just like what you're used to. It's weird. Totally. Like, you remember the first time you ever drank alcohol, if you drink, it's like, it didn't yeah. taste good. It's still, <laughs> yeah. technically, it still tastes the same. Yeah. I yeah. like it now. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. It's the only difference. Yeah, you, you kind of... Uh, yeah, you know, acquired taste, but mm-hmm. you, you gain a reference point. You get, yes, yeah, exactly. So. And so, I mean, I heard you say this before, but it's not, you are really careful not to say other coffee's bad. Is that a rule that you have? Generally speaking, like yeah. you say, there, that's there are different. Or some people do like boring, dirt tasting, burnt coffee. That's, yeah, totally. If you like that, that's okay. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with liking that. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't, but yeah. uh, plenty of people do, and that's great. You're not condescending toward that. I, you don't I try think not those to people be. are wrong. Or, no, or no, whatever. definitely not. No, yeah. you, you can have preferences. So, it's a weird thing totally with taste, cool. you know, like, are we tasting the same thing and you like it and I don't, what a weird concept that I've, I've always struggled with that concept to, to yeah. be quite honest, that, that if there's something I like and then somebody else says they don't like it, are they not tasting? Like, I can't <laughs> understand that. I have I a really it, hard yeah. time understanding, are, are they, do they have different tastes, but they have a different physiology than me? What's making people like different stuff it's really yes. hard to it's really hard to get it really a grip on that yeah but I mean it. both of those things I, I think uh, cilantro is like a really commonly mm-hmm. cited example but like to some people they literally have a, a a gene in their body that makes cilantro taste like soap mm-hmm. I've um, heard that and, you, know, you just can't have it and then they're like super tasters who um, have uh, oversensitivity to bitterness uh, you know and like pregnant women taste better and yes. more aggressively than yeah. like you know even non-pregnant ones. and so, so they'd be thrown off yeah, on like more things so that's physiological exactly, reason all those what you're saying but then there's also the psychological element which is huge like yeah. if you associate like if you worked at Wendy's and mm-hmm. then you just you go into some fast food fryer place I bet you feel sick you don't want it yeah, you know, but if exactly. I walk into Wendy's and say, this smells good, I get yeah. surprised. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah, or totally. if you were beat when, as a kid, and your dad always drank a certain coffee. <laughs> you're not gonna like it. Yeah, <laughs> <You> probably. <laughs> but, but I mean, oh, the man. psychological element is, or just how how you remember nostalgically the taste of your mom's biscuits. I mean, that's, totally. you're not gonna be objective about biscuits in a few. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's totally. just no such thing. Yeah, I mean. W- we are the sum of our, our experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you have all these experiences throughout your life and then they kind of inform your preferences on things because that's just who you are. Like that's literally your your experiences have built you to have these expectations for things. So, you know, it's like, I, I remember I used to really, really enjoy the smell of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, I kind of walk by and I'm like, oh man, that smells like dark roasted coffee. <laughs> it's so, so is it burnt? You know? People say that is Starbucks coffee is that darkest. I mean, super burnt or is that bad? <sighs> Well, well, you're not going to say it's bad. Yeah, but what? it's much darker than my preference, mm-hmm. um, almost always. Some of their reserve coffees, I can they still have some complexity of flavor, and I can taste some things in them and stuff. But Why are they so on that end of the spectrum? If they were going to have mainstream success, like. mainstream success, it seems like placing themselves on such a dark end, I mean, it must well, be strategic. They, they, like. used, they used to be, so back in like the 90s, dark coffee and this kind of gets back to your point earlier like darkly roasted coffee was specialty coffee like uh-huh. Pete's and yeah. Oh, yeah. you know yeah. like Seattle's Best and Starbucks and stuff like these were the innovators and, and those sorts of things and so they kind of built people to get these preferences and it's very much a pendulum right like mm-hmm. you swing to one end and then kind of like the the new guard of people are trying to like get some traction and they bring the pendulum back and yeah. you know it's kind of a swinging thing so uh, it just kind of happens and I, you know I, I think it, I've never talked to him but I, from what I understand Howard Schultz just really enjoys darker roasted like Sumatra coffees right, right? like it's just a preference right yeah. so like you naturally are going to kind of lead your establishment towards yeah, the things that you like because that's what you're good at so i you know that's probably part of what what came about so that's yeah. pretty interesting the um you know if if 
the main if the if what where do you think the most people is there what's the data that says what most people like what is the average thing that most well, people like I mean like there the there've been studies um a little bit older now but uh, there are studies put out that kind of uh give they sample a bunch of just average Americans. Mm-hmm. They'll like give them different coffees and figure out like what they like and what they don't like, and then they'll you know we can put scores on those things. So some of these studies found out that back in the like the seventies, average Americans liked coffees that were brewed at a certain strength. So the actual strengths were one point one five percent to one point three five percent coffee, mm-hmm. and then um, that they liked an extraction. So how much they took out of the coffee at between eighteen and twenty two percent. And so then they just found this range, and that's like they're like okay, so most of the people that we surveyed enjoyed coffee that were in these ranges. So mm-hmm. then they kind of gave that as like the standard, they call that the gold cup um, or optimum balance. So like, you know, th- you can do studies and stuff and you find out what people like. I I, I think it's probably time for a reevaluation of those because I, I think a lot of people's opinions have changed on what they mm-hmm. like. Because I, I like, I notice a lot more people are liking stronger coffee now, uh, especially paired with the lighter roasted coffees. Like they want those the strength up on the upper end of it um, just because it's like the, it's not as... You don't have all those bitter kind of components that you want to water down a little mm-hmm. bit and make it easier to drink. So, man, I got a bunch of more stuff I want to talk about. Sure. This, this coffee stuff is, I mean, inherently, again, it co- goes into nerd territory. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, let me tell you guys about <laughs> something else that goes into nerd territory with the resurgence of nerdness being, uh, with, with nerdness becoming a popular thing and a, even a bragging point for a lot of things. There's people that are really big into stuff like culture and uh, nostalgia, stuff like that. So let me tell you about our sponsor, Loot Crate. So if you're on a, let's say, an epic uh, say you like epic stuff or you you need some new housewares and you like collectibles, well, Loot Crate brings you between four and six of the coolest curated mystery items every month straight to your doorstep. It's the best surprise uh, that you know is coming. So essentially what they do is they pick stuff from pop culture, comics, movies, and they have a different theme every month and they have a bunch of different types of boxes. So it's really fun to get stuff in you know, packages sent to you, delivered to your door. Uh, we got one the other day at our house, and me and my wife and daughter, we just all split up the stuff that we like. So we all like different stuff. But the the neat thing about these collectibles is, if you see, if you see, let's say at people's desks, you see all those figurines, like whether you're into Assassin's Creed or you're into anime and all these things, you see all these like figures and stuff like that. And they, it's really cool to take stuff that you like that feels good that you're into and then be able to display it for other people in an adult grown up way, right? We don't have <laughs> toys. We don't play with toys anymore. Well, but, I mean, you don't, but I do. Yeah, well, some <laughs> people do, but the way you can play with a toy as an adult is get really cool collectible stuff and yeah. display it in your home or at your office. And I see stuff like this all the time. All the people that work at Tooth and Nail Records used to just have all these figures of the different things they were into. It's just a per, um, you know thing of expression. So yeah, Loot Crate, what they're doing this month, their theme is origin. So they've got an awesome exclusive items um, from your old school favorites. So this January, see where it all started. Explore the iconic origins with uh, historic items from Superman, Captain America, Mario, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, including, as always, they've got a monthly t-shirt and pin. I got the t-shirt last month. It was Mr. Robot. It's a nice black shirt. I can wear it. I love it. Um, So you have until the 19th of January at 9 p.m. to subscribe to get that month's crate this month's crate and uh when that cutoff happens that's it it's over and so i want people to do it and use my promo code of course <laughs> go to lootcratecom forward slash down and enter the promo code down to save three dollars off 
any new subscription today. Get this, get it for a gift for somebody. Uh, Loot Crate forward slash down, promo code down, $3 off. Thank you. Uh, one other thing I'll say while I'm saying promotional things is the coffee that we do have, the Seattle Blend, um, is for sale at bc.supply. That's our website. That's our things, bc.supply. And I tell you what we're going to do is, any for. I'll just give a promo code out here for anybody because I want everybody to try it and I would love their feedback. I yeah, want everybody I'd to know what this... Uh, yes, absolutely. So, Reva, can we do 25% off? Is that, that good? Is that promo code ready to go? As of right now, live, somebody can do it? Okay, so as of right now, we just decided this right before we started. Um, we're going to do 25% off on the coffee, which is no excuse not to do that. That's a, It's a good deal. It's great coffee. Seattle blend. It's medium. I'll let you explain what it is here sure. in a second. But go to bc.supply, check out, and use the promo code DOWN and you'll get 25% off the coffee, cool. and then figure out if you like it or not. And while you're at it, you've been meaning to see our new company and website and all the other products we got over there are Which good, too. awesome, so, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, okay, work. so tell us about this specific blend that we have. Yeah, so... First of all, it's not... It's a blend, not a single origin. Yeah, so um, it's uh, currently a mix of uh, Guatemalan coffee and a Peruvian coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, Guatemalan heavy. So the... the the main back of it is a coffee called Shoshawa, uh, which comes from Guatemala. And it's, it's kind of the whole idea for this blend was to be able to get a coffee that everybody would like. Yes. Or as close to it as we can possibly that I get. Like. Yeah, that's the exactly. Main goal. Exactly. And so it's like, you know, we, we want a coffee that's not going to be over roasted and not like bitter, mm-hmm. but it, you know, it has enough kind of complexity to keep kind of the black coffee drinkers and maybe even the coffee snobs kind of happy. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, you can throw cream and sugar and it's going to taste just fine because, you know, a lot of the coffees that like the coffee snobs and my folks that like coffees like me, you know, a lot of times they have really high acidity and like they're kind of sour at times and you add sugar and cream to it and it tastes kind of funky. Um, so we wanted to have like this nice kind of um, really sweet overall quality to it so it would take cream and sugar really well mm-hmm. or you could you know just drink it straight up and taste nice I like it I drink tw- cream only in coffee I think sugar ruins it I think it's wrong to put sugar in the coffee <laughs> at this point um, I know you don't think it's right or wrong but I think it's wrong um, but I like it really All creamy right, no, that's cool. but this one works really well with cream but I like it black too it's one cool. of the only coffees yeah. that you know only this type of nice quality coffee yeah. does, do, is um, do I drink black but is it do you know the score on it how does it feel? yeah this one's like an 87 an 87 yeah. score so it, it's kind of right on that nice range yeah. Um, it doesn't have an overwhelming amount of complexity or anything, but it's it's really clean and sweet. It's definitely a so. primer, a, a gateway thing into nicer and specialty and lighter and complex coffee. That's yeah, the way, that's how I would explain it. it and yeah, it feels it, I'd have to tell you the truth. When I'd get up in the morning and see my own bag of coffee that I helped <laughs> design, it's a yeah. good feeling. And it's really just it, what I like the yeah, most. Yeah, it's, it's my good. Favorite. It's really, really tasty. Um, I really like the coffee in general. Okay. Um, well, let's talk about so. Making coffee. That's yeah. the ne- next thing, this this kind of crazy. Here's where I'm at on the evolution. I've got a sure. nice ke- uh, uh, induction kettle. Nice. The, uh, uh, Hario or something. Oh, yeah. I think. I don't know if that's what it no, is. No, that's right. Um, and so I have a kettle that heats up, and then I do a pour over. I have a uh, just a Yeti tumbler that I like okay. that I usually have yeah, sitting yeah. here. And I have a, 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 a cone-shaped Hario thing, uh-huh. and I put in two scoops in the grinder and cool. right in the middle on 20 the settings okay. twenty. Yeah, it's yeah. like right in the middle, yep. and I put two scoops of coffee in there. Very good. And then I just pour that over. I don't measure beyond that. I don't use a scale okay. or anything. Well, fix that. Get better. Why, how, why is it? I mean, but that, that's that's what I just can't even. I don't even want to buy a scale. But why do no, I need to buy a scale? I use two scoops of coffee. Totally What's the big deal. I, I get it. Um, so the the big deal, uh, at least, it depends on what what kind of coffee. If you're gonna drink the exact same coffee every single time, then you could you don't need you could probably get by without a scale or mm-hmm. something. But like uh, the general point of a scale is that coffee. Um, 
it extracts the same way based on mass. So it's like the total amount of weight that you have of coffee. And the mass changes depending on where the coffee's from, how darkly or lightly the coffee is mm-hmm. roasted. Because like the darker roasted coffees, you know, if you have two tablespoons, that might weigh, you know, 12 grams. But two tablespoons of lightly roasted coffee might be 18 grams. It's a density thing. Then. Exactly. So the, the, the darker you roast the coffee, generally the less dense it's going to be. And so, but it'll still come okay. out to All be right, the let same Let me get my strength. mind around that. You, when you roast the coffee, essentially... You're cooking it in yep. a way where some of the mass or moisture is evaporating yes. out of it. Yeah, therefore, it is exactly. lighter. So, yep. Okay. That's exactly it. Got it. And so, but the way that coffee works in terms of strength, so the overall strength of the cup that you're going to get is based on the weight of the coffee, not on the volume of the coffee that mm-hmm. you start with. And so, it's like if you're going to brew, like in your Yeti tumbler, it's probably like what, 24 ounces, maybe 16 ounces, I something think it's like that. 20. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, you use enough to fill that up, but, you know, you're going to use 20 ounces of water every single time, but you may mm-hmm. be getting, you may be starting with, you know, like 30 grams of coffee. And then if you switch to a different coffee, then you're going to get 45 grams of coffee oh, yeah. in there. And that coffee is going to come out way stronger or way weaker than, you know, either way. So you're not even getting a, uh, I understand. So yeah, especially so, if you're comparing different coffees and switching yep. in order to have a, a good reference, a good you need to standard, yeah, exactly. standardize Plus, that. Plus, I mean, scales are, you know, they're like 14, 15 bucks, which obviously is an expense, but you can use them for tons of other stuff like cooking and all that stuff. So yep. Drugs. I recommend, totally. I, that's my favorite thing to use yep. them for, you know, like cutting lines up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Taken care of. Well, what? Um, <laughs> so now when I'm pouring the coffee over, so pour yeah. over method already sounds, you know, hit, yeah, dude, over hit you're, to you're, me. You're T- killing Toby it. made fun of me when he saw that I had that pour <laughs> oh, over in man. the first place. Yeah. But beat him up. But uh, I mean, it's better than a Mister Coffee Maker. Absolutely. And 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 of course now K cups, which I was into yeah. when I first found about them, are pretty. People don't like K cups anymore. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. lots of negative stuff to say about them. Yeah. I guess. Hashtag kill the K cup. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I did that for a while. But um. So doing this pour over thing is kind of fun, but I, it's, it's a little bit, it causes some anxiety. Like, do I really need to do it better than this? Do I need to go slower? Did I touch the side? Did I rinse the filter? Does that matter? Does that matter? Just tell me it doesn't really matter. No, it definitely does matter. (laughs) (laughs) I don't rinse the filter. You should rinse the filter. Do me me a favor. I water over the filter into my mouth to see if I could taste it. I couldn't taste any filter taste. Oh man, you're killing me. (laughs) So do me, do me a favor though. Uh, Try this again. Do it into a cup. Okay, so just mm-hmm. like rinse the filter and then do move the the brewer over to another cup and then just add some water over it again and then taste the waters that you get out taste of those the, cups. The, a rinse filter water and yep. I, I should have done Ex- that exactly. Yeah. So try that and then mm-hmm. let me know what you think. Okay, yeah, uh, follow up with me. Okay, because you can definitely taste the difference. Okay, and then what about how you put their method of pour? How fast, slow, and if you go in a spiral, yeah, totally. whether the spiral's clockwise or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, the spiral doesn't make a big deal. Okay, <laughs> unless you know if you're on Australia, flip it. Yeah, right. <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, like those are the things that you can geek out or or not geek uh-huh. out on, right? Um, generally, if you're making like a V60, which is what you're making yeah. at home, that cone-shaped one, you just start in the middle and then you kind of go in a spiral until everything's kind of covered. Let it sit for like 45 seconds or so and then just start pouring more water. So roughly as slow as you can get it until it kind of you know fills up to the top and then drains out and then you're good to go. So, so I mean, consistent basic. Or what about the temperature of the thing? Because because yeah. that's the other thing. Like uh, I heard, or Aaron Sprinkle told me, sure. well, you want to, you don't want it to be right at two ten or two eleven or anything. Like it comes out boiling. You don't want exactly sure. that. You want it to cool down a little bit. Yeah. But again, I don't use my instant read thermometer to check my temperature. <laughs> I just I I'm going to wait ten seconds or thirty cool. seconds or what? I mean, uh, good. That's that's good enough. So the the, the SEAA official regulations or or not rec- regulations recommendations, I guess, mm-hmm. is that the brew bed, so the the area where the coffee and the 
water are hanging out together, that that temperature, you want it to be between 195 and 205 degrees Celsius. Mm-hmm. So, you know, generally speaking, whenever you start from a, a kettle or something, like, you know, 10 seconds off the boil, that brings it down to 211. And then by the time that you're done pouring through the air and adding Did it you to say like Celsius, a, that'd be Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then by the time, you know, you get it into the, a cold dripper or something, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the temperature in that brew bed is going to be right about right. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just wait 10 seconds off the boil, basically. Yeah. Um, just solid. And if it's too, it would it extracts different or burns something. Yeah, if it's so too hot. Uh, there are a variety of different things that affect extraction, and temperature is one of them. So the hotter the temperature of something, the more, more it quickly extracts. it's going to extract. Okay, so extraction so. itself being the amount of, uh, I don't know if we'll see if we can define it exactly, but it's it's the process of getting the flavor out of the coffee, staining yep. the water. I don't know what other terminology there, but is it is extraction? Um, very is it objective is it measurable yes. can yes. you test a, a coffee and say is this is extracted yep. to 86 percent yeah yeah how you do can, you measure that yeah so there, there are uh two different ways um the most effective well i guess there's three but there, there are two regular kind of normal methods that people will use um one is with a tds meter and one's with a refractometer the refractometer is much more accurate um and so what that does is it you take a sample of the coffee that you brewed and then you, you put it in this little little chamber and you flip it out and it bounces a light beam through it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, it's like Kanye wrote a song about it, uh, but it'll, you know, it'll bounce that light beam through it. Read how like off, because it'll bounce a light beam straight off mm-hmm. and then it'll see where it comes back to and it'll use that to measure how much non-water Water. is in that coffee. And then so it'll tell you, you know, how much percentage it is of coffee solids. And so then, so like in the in a case where, generally speaking, most brewed coffee is 98.7% water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll tell you that there's 1.3% oh, non-coffee right. in it. Okay. And then you can use that information. You say, okay, well, I, that means I... Then you can go back and do the math and figure out that, okay, so I used, you know, 20% of the coffee's mass ended up in this coffee. And so you have a 20% extraction at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you, if you think back to what I was mentioning earlier about the, like the, that study that did the, what people like or whatever, 18 to 22% is generally where Americans like extraction to be at. 18 so, to 22%. Yeah. And like the, the tools to do that, they're not cheap. I don't even own one because they're mm-hmm. like 850 bucks. Um, but you can use, you know, your tongue to kind of get you close yeah, to. Right. Extraction works the exact same way for every coffee um, and every brew method. You know, um, the lighter ends of extraction, you extract acids first. So the sour parts of coffee uh, get extracted first. That's like usually the first 0 to 18% of total extraction that comes out of the coffee. Um, minerals are in there as well, but mostly it's like acids and those sorts of things. And then kind of your 18 to 22% range, you get your sugars. So, right? so that's kind of where you're wanting to target is to get as much sugar as you can get into your coffee. And then once you, once you push past that, um, with exceptions for a few grinders and if you're like sieving your coffee and super nerdy stuff. But if once you start pushing past that, you get into like bitter components that make your coffee taste bad, right? So the idea is just to use that information to get you the, the sweetest tasting cup of coffee you mm-hmm. can get, basically. Um, you can so. trial and error your way through your own yep. coffees until to, to, you get there. So yep. the other thing interesting about the third wave that's a big component of it is sure. the ethics, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because, now, I mean, people never cared in the 80s about the coffee where it came from or the farmer. Yeah. So not, now we have this blend of I, I don't even know if we're talking hard much super science or if, if we're still on the, the cursory level of it. I've heard you talk way more in depth than we are even right now. But there's also the ethical thing about it, which that kind of bleeds together is my yeah. point. So you're, you'll talk about fair trade, 
um, you'll talk about the workers and how it, their methods and what they do actually starts to matter beyond mm-hmm. uh, I like the taste of this. So now you're yeah. saying these people are at, they live in this village and it's at this altitude and they dry the coffee this certain way. So not yeah. so, and then they get paid this way or they ship it. So, so, it, so it's got this really interesting um Infusion, pardon the pun, of <laughs> nailed it <laughs> uh, of of the of the process that's going on that affect the taste and the fact that you're buying into and being uh, socially aware of the ethical concerns of of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. I, kind of a general principle in my mind is that quality kind of implicitly pr- promotes ethics, right? Like in, in the terms of coffee, oh, generally that's a good point. generally speaking, the higher the quality of the coffee, generally or of the more anything, ethical, the quality of anything, right? Yes. Wouldn't that be, that's, almost, that's interesting. Almost entirely, yeah. right? So like generally, you know, with coffee, if, if you're buying coffees that are, you know, scoring above 85, for the most part, those are pretty ethical coffees. Um, and expensive. They're, they're going to be more expensive, yeah. right? But so that goes together. That's like, that's part of the reason why people can justify spending this amount of money. Totally. What are these, what are these price ranges for normal specialty coffee a pound? Uh, so, well, it depends on kind of, <laughs> there are a lot of different ch- steps along the chain, mm-hmm. but um, FOB, which is like full on board price. So off like, onto the boat moving on its way up you know you're looking at anywhere from you know the upper the low end is like 275 per pound up to you know we can go up to 140 dollars a pound but generally speaking most specialty coffee is in the like 275 up to like for the grower f- for the farmer who well for the, the to what for the roaster to purchase generally speaking um, but there's also importers and those sorts well, of that things sounds that really cheap of, compared to the price people pay out of stores and stuff so what, what sure. where's the rest of the cost come from yeah so um well, first of all, that two seventy five is an ethical treatment and fair price to yeah, those people. Fair trade price is, I think, a dollar sixty five per pound. Okay, the last time my I checked, um, and then it, it also has a stipulation if if the C market, so coffee's bought on a commodities market. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the C market is is at one sixty five or higher, then you it's a twenty percent premium over C market period. Okay, um, most specialty coffee is going to be way more than that. Okay. Um, Almost entirely, uh, but like the so that that price is usually makes it back to the the grower or the farmer, and then you know the how the pickers get paid is a really important mm-hmm. element of what we're what we're doing, um, but that isn't necessarily reflected in the, the pro, just mm-hmm. cut and dry prices. Um, but roasters, um, you know, like you think about it, uh, you have a lot a lot of stuff to try to cover, right? As far as Costco, right? Because like where all that cost comes from, I guess if you're gonna break it down into actual hard numbers is you got, you know, your, your coffee itself. And then you have the person that you're paying to roast the coffee. Then you have the the gas and everything to pay for the, like to you're burning as you're roasting the coffee. Then you have a, you know, anywhere from 28,000 to $180,000 piece of equipment that you're trying to pay off. Mm-hmm. Then you have a rent that you're trying to pay all this. The, things, the right? skilled labor here yeah, too. Exactly. The roasting is a very, yeah. And then packaging, yeah. you know, and packaging costs a, a buck 25 a bag, you know, or, you know, 80 cents a bag, somewhere around there. Um, so, you know, all those things start to add up and then, you know, you have to be able, whoever's selling it has to make, you know, a small margin off it or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, oh, that's what happens when you buy a global, global commodity. So to get thing, coffee but, for, that Folgers price is oh, both man. heavily industrialized and really not taking care of. Totally, is I, it unethical to drink that coffee? I, I've seen coffees that, like you know, at the grocery store, you can buy it for like four bucks a pound. Like that, there is not a chance in the world that the farmer received any reasonable pay for that. Period. Yeah. Um, they maybe they had like a strip mine or a strip farm kind of yeah. system where they're, like, they're just running machines through like these big strips of trees and stuff, like they do in Brazil or like Vietnam or something, but. That's horrible for the environment, and it's not going to be a good quality coffee. Period. Do you think it's bad? I mean, do you think it's unethical to drink or 
really cheap coffee? Um, personally, I mean, yes. Some people, I'm sure, yeah. do. But personally, I, I I wouldn't drink it. Um, you're I, contributing like to harm done to other people by drinking yeah. that low grade of quality. Yeah, exactly. And, and somehow that company is still making money off of it. Yeah. So it's like they're making money and nobody yeah. else throughout the supply chain is being taken care of. So it's like, you know, that one person at the top's like making all the money. Well, I love what you said Man. about the quality being, uh, you know, inextricable from or connected to the ethics of something because that's really is true. I mean, that's a neat way to look at it is that, and, th- and that's what, like it's what allows people to go the extra pay the extra $5 a pound or whatever because they know they're the psychological part actually plays into your enjoyment of the product. Absolutely. And we see that in clothing and other yeah. industries these days where people are like, you know what? I'll pay for organic food or I'll pay for this cotton or not sweatshop labor. Yeah. Um, all those things go together. Yeah. So it's a pretty neat uh, thing that we're, we're if by coffee educating and increasing quality and awareness, you're just improving like the world. I mean, that, that's kind of the people's idea. People's enjoyment. Yeah. Um, people, because you really enjoy the a nicer quality thing that you're invested in and know stuff about. You enjoy it more. Yeah, totally. You know, and so you really are increasing, uh, and of course, taking care of the farmer. And yep. yeah, everybody gets stuff. paid a decent wage and they can at least live. <laughs> so just by letting people you know? know about coffee, you're just uh, yeah, is, a, you're improving the world. I mean, well, that's, that's that kind of one hope. I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's a little far stretched for me, but <laughs> overall, as a as a as an industry, yeah. I mean, you know, coffee is not a small industry. It's like nine billion. It's no, I think it's bigger than that. It's, it's big huge, though. Man. It's it's a huge industry. So, um, last thing I would like to cover is uh, caffeine. Is, yeah. it, is it good? Is it bad? Is there a problem with that? <laughs> what, 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 tell us about where, where are you at with caffeine? Is it sure. a, as a drug? Um, well, I not a scientist, mm-hmm. so <laughs> I'm making no health claims or anything sure. like that. Um, coffee has it. And I like coffee, so, you know, I kind of like caffeine. Um, I Personally, I have, you know, I try not to get overly dependent on it. Um, uh-huh. You know, so I'll try to limit my caffeine consumption throughout the day. Um, for, and, I mean, why? Like, I mean, so, I, mean, I sure. think some people say caffeine's just not even bad for you at all. Like, what's, what sure. does it even matter? Yeah, well, uh, for me, it's a, it's a self-control thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, just, I'm a Christian, so, you know, being... Being that I don't necessarily want to have it, being addicted to caffeine. Yeah, you're you're giving up an element of of yourself to something else, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, that's important for me to just personally make that call of like not being overly reliant on it. Um, You know, because generally, if how many coffees do you drink a day? Well, two or less. Which is, you know, actually lower than the average. Most people drink at least three. So I'll taste a ton of coffees, but I'll spit spit the coffee out like <laughs> wow. you would at like a wine yeah, tasting yeah. or something, right? Okay. Yeah, it so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I actually just before I came here, I I tried eighteen different coffees. So and you um, just spit them out, yeah. Because I mean, yeah. yeah, I understand. I mean, yeah. I, I can't really drink much more than three yeah. without feeling a little jittery or something. But totally. I definitely drink three coffees a, a day. I would yeah. say totally. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that for me personally. I just want to make sure that you I'm don't not have any health concerns for somebody that drinks four no, cups of coffee a day. No, I, th- I think there's, again, I'm not a, again, I'm not a doctor, no, so I, I can't just, make any claims. Based on your- I think, I think you're, you're allowed up to like, I think it's like 800 milligrams a day or something before mm-hmm. you like heart will stop or something. Um, and like a double shot of espresso has like 80 milligrams of coffee, caffeine and like yeah. a 12 ounce cup of brewed coffee has like 120 milligrams. So like you can, you can really pack them in there and probably be okay. Um, unless you're like combining with like energy drinks or something. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's one of those things where like if you're doing that back to back to back to back to back, like caffeine is a stimulant. So it increases like your heart rate. And so mm-hmm. your heart is doing more work and those sorts of things. So if you're just like constantly loaded up on coffee every single day, you're, body's probably not running at its prime just from my kind of, you know, if I was going to spitball at it or yeah. something. So that'd be my guess. Um, 
It's an interesting thing because it doesn't, I mean, it's very little amount of effects from it, but people are certainly addicted to it. There's no doubt about that. It's just the addiction's consequences are relatively low or none uh, in some degree, you could say. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's one of those things where having it every single day, you know, a cup cup or two isn't that bad. Mm -hmm. If you're running like at the top, you know, it's like your engine on your car, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're running it, you know, constantly close to red line, your car is going to get more damage from it but doing it every once in a while you're going to be probably be okay what uh, um what about uh what about the other the people say the benefits of coffee like antioxidants are good for your heart like is it is are you aware of any (laughs) do you have any stance well for the well for the people anecdotal anything on coffee being good for you sure yeah i mean for the people who are on video you can see i'm not you know not the healthiest dude in the world so don't (laughs) take health advice from me uh yeah I, i don't know i mean it's Every time I turn around, there's either a study that's like, oh, coffee's super good for you or yeah. coffee's, you know, coffee's bad for you. Like, it just depends on who's funding the study or, you know, if it's on a fake news site or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I know it has a lot more antioxidants than most things, right? So, like, it's better than, like, your artificially sweetened drinks that have caffeine added to them or something. Um, but I, I don't drink coffee for the health benefits. I drink coffee because it, it tastes really good. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy it. Yeah, I just find a lot of joy in picking out the complexities of it. So if you're drinking two coffees a day that are just for your own pleasure, what are they? Oh, man. Um, lately, I've really been enjoying Central American coffees, actually. So do you drink drip typically or what? Oh, yeah. Usually I'll you make do a pour a, over. Or yeah, I'll make pour overs the exact same way as you. You often. Yeah, so um, usually at home, I'll just drink a, like a V60 coffee in mm-hmm. the morning. I'll split a Chemex with my wife usually. And then uh, if I'm at shops, I'll usually get like a, a pour over and a, an espresso or something. Every once in a while, I'll get like a cappuccino or something. It's so weird I with that Chemex nice. and the, the the pour over stuff. It's like no technology at all. Like <laughs> yeah. you we're talking about the stuff and the advancement and all the data and yeah. all the stuff, even the explosion of this yeah. driven by technology yet coffee technology is hot water over <laughs> a its filter absolutely and yeah. that's it yeah I've, you can I've do made you can make it with a, a hammer and cheesecloth if you needed to <laughs> i have yeah i used a paper towel one time to yeah <laughs> right. you get, filter, you, right that's all you need yeah so uh yeah it's kind of funny like that personally i i'm a fan of that aspect of things like i i drive a manual vehicle you know i mm-hmm. like things that are simple and classic but um yeah, it, coffee is one of those things that you can get as deep as you want to go. There is there are plenty of brewers and those sorts of things that are really gadget heavy, and you can be as mm-hmm. tech forward as you want to be with it. Um, but you can also be as simple as you want. You can just throw coffee and water in a pot together, wait for the coffee to drop to the bottom, and pour off the water on the top, and you're good. You know, that's amazing. That simple. Well, I, that's that's great. I appreciate you being here today, and I'll remind <laughs> and people so everybody else to use the promo code down and try out our the, you know the coffee that that we made. Together, you made the coffee. You <laughs> roasted it. You picked well, it out. But I'm very well, happy. No, we all been. did this together, man. Yeah. That, that's the whole point of the coffee. Is Good. It, it brings everybody together all across the supply chain. Well, so. I've enjoyed it. Thank yeah. you for coming on the Thanks show. Thanks for today, having me. I really appreciate it. All yeah. right. Is there anything you uh, tell people to go? I mean, you're a, a high profile coffee educator. Is it, what's your Twitter <laughs> or or website? Sure. Uh, yeah, I just started. Um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Maxwell A. Mooney. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at the same. I have a, if you like looking at pictures of latte art, I have a whole feed of that uh-huh. <laughs> at Seed Bearing. Um, yeah, and then I also just started up like a coffee shop of my own up in Everett. Uh, it's called Narrative Coffee. You can find Narrative it. Coffee yep. in Everett, Washington, yeah. which is 20 miles north of Seattle. If you're yep. up here, people visit. Yeah, um, check not that open out. yet, but we will be. That's great. Yeah, so C- Congratulations Thank and you. good luck it. on, on yeah. your coffee shop and all I the stuff you do as an educator. Thanks. I, really I enjoy it very much. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, brother. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.
Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.